You should have your Bibles open, if you haven't already, to Acts chapter 14. Go right ahead, if you haven't yet. And uh, today we're going to be in chapter 14. We've made our way this far into the book of Acts, and today we come to a very interesting text in the Bible that we're going to try to expound upon. And I think there's something here for every one of us to listen to as the Spirit of God might speak to you. It's so easy for us to get confused or to become uh, troubled in our worship where we don't even realize that maybe the worship that we're giving God is not actually a pure worship. It's not true worship. It can become a false worship. And we have an example of a group of people who very much are caught up in false worship, false idols. And so let's pray and ask God to bless the reading and the teaching of the word. Father, we do give thanks that by the word of God, by the truth that is contained in these pages, we come into understanding, we come into enlightenment as the Holy Spirit makes it alive for us. Today, Lord, may each of us have ears to hear what the Spirit might be saying and that we might open our hearts to receive and to even change. Change the way we think about worship. Change the way we behave in worship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, verse 1 in, in our text, now at Iconium, they enter together into the Jewish synagogue. So the leaders of the synagogue in Antioch, Pisidia, Pisidia was the area, Antioch was the city, had just banished Paul and Barnabas from that city. So what Paul did uh, was he went to the next city. That's what you do when you're banished, when you are persecuted out of the city, as you go to the temple to teach who Jesus is according to the Old Testament, you just go to the next city. And, and, and that's, that's their whole plan here. So they traveled 80 miles down the road to Iconium. Iconium is a cultural melting pot of Phrygians, which were native to that area, Greeks, Jews, and Roman colonists. Remember, Rome was now the power of the world. And so they had outposts, colonists, who lived all over uh, the known world at that time. And this area had them as well. And so when Paul and Barnabas arrive in Iconium, what do they do? They were just chased out of a synagogue up in Pisidia. What are they going to do in Iconium? They're going to go to the synagogue and preach the Bible without compromise. And that's exactly what they do. These men walk in spiritual boldness. You see, this is Paul's MO, his modus operandi. This, this is what Paul does. He enters a city, he heads for the synagogue. Why? Because he wants his own people, the people of his own heritage, to know Jesus, even though those people have rejected Jesus. And so there at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue, and here's what happens. And spoke in such a way that a number of both Jews and Greeks believed. So a number of Jews and Greeks believed. Now, in what way did Paul speak that a number of Jews and Greeks would believe? That's the question that comes up in your mind. Well, uh, I don't think it's about a style that he preached. 
I, I think it's how he worded the truth of Scripture. In such a way, he, he understood his audience. Paul once said, I become all things to all people that by all means some might be saved. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that he becomes to the drunk a drunk. It doesn't mean that he becomes something that is unbiblical. It means I really try to understand the people that I'm speaking with. I want to know what they believe. I want to know why they believe what they believe. There, at that point, I'm able to bring the truth of God's word to light for them. I'm able to then share the gospel so that they might better understand. But we have to be careful because ultimately it is not your ability to communicate. It's not your charisma. It's not your persuasive, you know, pers your persuasive personality. Those things are not the reason that some people get saved and others don't. Salvation, the Bible tells us, only comes from the Lord. We can't save anybody. If somebody says to me, well, yeah, I got saved under Billy Graham, his ministry. Uh, you were saved by God through the Holy Spirit while attending a Billy Graham crusade. You see the difference? If Billy Graham saved you, you are in hell when you die. You will, Satan will make kindling wood out of you if you think that somehow you participate in your salvation or that man somehow saved you. And this is what Paul would do. He, he, was, he was a good communicator, but he didn't rely upon that. In fact, turn in your Bible, if you will, go to, let me see here. And while we're turning, uh, just Michael and Erica, if we can bring up that slide, that map, we won't do it right yet, but in just a moment. Thank you. Have it ready. Okay. This is funny how it works. So I'm I'm, I start out in the front, I set my Bible down before service, and I'm walking back talking to people. And my goal is to get to the sound booth to tell them to have the map ready. Okay? So I, I, I work my way back, work, stop, talk to some, stop over here, stop over there. So I got all the way back even to the sound booth. If I had just turned, but by that time, Deb was giving announcements, so I just came back to the front. So that's why it's terrible. Okay, go to 2 Corinthians, and let's go to chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Because Paul is very implicit that it is not about him. His preaching is not about him. It is about Jesus Christ and him crucified. And, and there's nobody else. Paul had nothing to offer except what God put into Paul. So he says here in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to, now look at this, comfort those who are in any affliction. What with? What am I comforting somebody with? With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You don't, it's not you that comforts the person. It's not you and my experience, and this is what I know, and this is what I endure. It's not that. That's not what comfort. 
What comforts people is if you recall how God, in your time of great need, he comforted you. He sent someone to you. He, he opened your eyes to a scripture passage that really ministered to you. Those are the things that you're sharing with the person. How God comforted you in your time of trial. Now you're comforting them with the comfort that you yourself received from God. That's the same in preaching here. Paul isn't sharing his words because his words are power. No, he's sharing God's word. And how God's word has impacted him as a Jew. He's now coming to the Jews and he's saying, Look, I used to be one of you. I know how you think. I used to live, in fact, I was the chief of all Jews because I persecuted these knucklehead Christians. And now I've become a knucklehead Christian. And God's using me to help you understand how he wants to reach you, the Jews. So this was, Paul had a great insight into the people that he would speak to. He didn't just get up and start talking. He really understood. That's what it means here when it talks about that he spoke in such a way. And so just to bring that home, that he made his preaching solely about the gospel. In Romans 1.16, Paul said this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel don't ever not communicate the gospel truth because you're fearful how it will be received by the person listening you cannot live behind that you can't live behind what people think of you if you do you'll never be a faithful witness of jesus christ jesus goes ahead and lets the cat out of the bag you know what he said if they hated me they're going to hate you they hated me because i declared that their deeds were evil when you share the gospel, you're not just sharing the good news that Jesus came to die on the cross for your sins. You're also sharing that you have a need for a Savior to die on the cross for your sins because you're a sinner. And if you don't share that with them, that they are destined for hell in their current state, then how is, how is salvation good news? If I'm getting saved just because, yeah, I heard about this Jesus and how good he is, and uh, yeah, I'll do that too. Yeah, why not? Let's add him in there. I got a little bit of you know, I've got a little bit of uh, Hinduism, I've got a little bit of Buddhism, I've got a little bit of this, a little bit of, why not a little bit of Jesus? And if that's your approach, if that's what you're doing, you're not saved. And the person who gave you this false impression that all you have to do is accept Jesus is not really sharing the gospel, therefore you can't be saved by it. You're saved by coming to understand as the Holy Spirit convicts you, I am a sinner. And there is no hope for eternal salvation in the state that I'm in. The only thing I had to look forward to is eternal damnation. And with that news hitting you hard and heavy, then the person shares the good news. But God loved you. And he sent his own son to die for you. To pay the price for your sins. So that you could, by faith, receive salvation and forgiveness of sins. Now that's good news. See, I needed good news. But until they know they need good news, it's not good news. It's just more news. People are picking stuff every day. We live in an information age, right? There's more stuff I can take in. I can pick and choose. That's not the way that someone is saved. 
In 1 Corinthians 1.20, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. God's not looking for you to use human wisdom to explain to human beings how they might be saved. They can't get saved by that. They're saved because you come with weakness, fear, and trembling because you are a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and His power in that you are not appealing to them out of persuasion and wisdom. You're appealing simply from being faithful to deliver the Word of God to them. And the Word does the work. Foolish men will hang on anything. Philosophy, the whole concept of philosophy is human. It's not godly. It's human. Human wisdom. There's not a single ounce of philosophy that will save a single person. And you can spend your time trying to get caught up in debates of philosophy. I'm telling you right now, the answer is the foolishness of preaching Jesus. To a philosopher, you're such a simpleton. What do you know? And God says that's exactly the person who gets it. Not the person who thinks they've arrived. It's the person who knows they haven't arrived. And no amount of human intellect or understanding will ever prepare me to receive the gospel. So God wisely established that men could not come to know him by human wisdom. If, if he could, he would exalt man. Man would exalt man if we did that. So God designed to save helpless sinners through the preaching of a message that was so simple that the worldly wise regard it as nonsense. We're living in that day, right? Who in our government, local, national, is standing up and proclaiming truth? And if they do, and they do, we have some, they're laughed at, they're mocked, they're ridiculed. The media goes cuckoo over them. Oh, you're nuts. You're out of your head. They make fun of them. Celebrity make fun of Christians. Why in the world would anybody want to sit around and watch celebrity shows? The people who actually absolutely mock and ridicule believers. Makes no sense to me. And to that degree, you have to really consider, am I really, truly on the same bus that Jesus is on? Am I living my life in such a way that I can be useful to God? 1 Corinthians 1.22. This is a powerful passage. Paul said, for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. Who is Paul preaching to in Iconium? Jews and Greeks. So he writes in Corinthians, to their letter in the, uh, to the Corinthians, he says, for Jews demand signs, Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. There is no Jew that wants to hear that. There's no Greek that wants to hear that. Paul said it. To the Jew, it's a stumbling block. To the Greek, it's foolishness. But to those who are being saved, Christ is the power of God. Salvation comes by hearing the word of God as the spirit illuminates the heart of the individual. Think about it. God's greatest power 
His greatest wisdom is revealed in the preaching of the cross. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the word of the cross, the message of the cross, the preaching of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I hope we never change as a church from that message. We're never going to give in to the culture of our day, the nuances that oftentimes churches fall into, where we have to be careful what we say, don't use the word sin, please don't use the word repentance, and by all means, don't ever turn and talk about propitiation. They don't understand it. That's not what people are coming for. Well, what are they coming for? There's no other message that we have. May we be the, the, the most foolish, dumbest church in town, if that's the case, for not preaching that nonsense. We preach Christ and Him crucified, right? Your salvation hangs on that and that alone, and you are saved because of the work of Christ on the cross. And look at the results of this preaching. I, I love this, because the problem here, it's it just, just no... Paul preached the same message to both groups. The problem wasn't skin color here. It says that a great number got saved. Of who? Jews and, Jews and Gentiles. Jews and Greeks. It wasn't skin color. It wasn't cultural diversity. It wasn't generational distinctives. The problem was sin. He just preached against sin. And many got saved. And Paul took the risk of saying it, knowing that he could actually lose his life saying it. <laughs> and in just a few moments, uh, you're going to find out that he actually does almost lose his life. But the results speak for themselves. A great number of Jews and Greeks believe. So he comes to Iconium, communicates the gospel at the synagogue, and a good number of Jews and Greeks get saved. That's good stuff. But, verse 2, but. There's always the but, right? Here it is. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. What unbelieving Jews? Well, there were unbelieving Jews that day who heard the message and they rejected it. But more than that, there were some coming all the way from Antioch, Pisidia, who had chased him out of there. Cancel culture took care of Paul in, in Antioch. And now they're chasing him down to Iconium. And they're stirring up the crowd. So they remain for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord. What's, what's the response of, of, be, of Jews stirring up Gentiles and poisoning their minds against your, your message? Look at the very next verse. So they remain for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by his hands. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't discourage them. They just went on preaching. What do you do after somebody beats you up and down verbally for sharing the gospel with them or with somebody else? You go to the next person and share the gospel. Jesus said, if they don't receive it, shake the dust off your feet. Which is, by the way, it's a curse. Not that we give curses today. We don't, and that's Old Testament stuff. But you are actually condemning them. When you, when you do this, when somebody doesn't receive the message, and you do that, what Jesus, when he did that, when his disciples did that, he was saying, you are saying you're, you're not willing to hear the truth. You're willing to walk in the path 
of ungodliness. You're walking in the path of, of a false religion. And I am shaking that off my feet. I can't walk in that path with you. You share the God, listen, you share the gospel with someone today. And they give the same response that the media, that many of the universities, the professors are promoting, and that young people today, many, not all, but many are following into this cancel culture and all this stuff. You do this. I tried, but I won't wear that. I won't be part of that. And you move on and you share it with somebody else until somebody receives. You keep going, right? The point is no one is saved by the speaker. Only the spirit can reveal the truth to us. Just be a faithful, be a faithful servant and communicate the gospel. Now, how many times have we made that statement in this Book of Acts series? On a weekly basis, we talk about it. Why? Because the end result is not that we come to church, hear a message, and go home and have our roast beef and mashed potatoes. The end result is that it changes who we are. And we start living out what we are hearing from God's word. Amen? That we actually start sharing the good news with people. When was the last time? Now, we've been in the book of Acts for several months. And we've said this basically every week. Now, here's the question. So when was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? See, it's, it, 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 you, you have to somehow move beyond this church culture experience where I go to church on Sunday because that's what I do. And I, and I can even give... I can even give a, a critique after church on the sermon. Well, that was a really good one today. And the next week, well, I'm not sure he got all of his sleep last night. That's not the purpose of coming to church. It's to let the Word of God change us, right? And you say, well, well you know, I'm just not like you, Pastor Greg. Believe You don't want to be like me. If Marini were here, she would amen that. One Greg is enough. You need to be you as Christ through the Spirit has made you alive and has given you gifts and ability to communicate with those in your sphere of influence. Just be faithful. Be faithful. 1 Corinthians 2.9, but it, as it is written, what I this is very interesting because see, again, we, we just kind of think that people get saved by my ability. See, I'm not you, Greg. You can do it, but I can't. No, no excuse. I am just one pastor, one shepherd in this flock of several shepherds. And I'm telling you today, you stand, you have no excuse for not doing your part to share the good news of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. We, we misinterpret that passage to think it's talking about heaven. It's not. This is a quote from Isaiah 64. It's a reference to the wisdom that God has given to prepare believers. God's truth is not discoverable by eye or ear, which means objective practical evidence, nor is it discovered by the mind, which is subjective and rational conclusions. Truth comes by the spirit of the living God. And unless you are in the word, 
the Spirit of God cannot illuminate. He cannot open you up, and He cannot embolden you to that Word. And you won't share that Word. And when you do get the courage to share the Word, you just know it's the Word by the Spirit that's doing the work there, not you. You might walk away and say, man, I really blew that one. I made a mess of that. And God's Spirit used it. It's like seed falling in the soil. It's like water hitting the surface. You don't know how God's using you. Just be faithful. To, to, and every one of you can do it. I, I just want to, look, I'm not a, this positive motivational speaker guy, okay? I don't like that kind of stuff. But biblically, every one of you can do it. If you couldn't, God wouldn't ask you to do it. He, he wouldn't command you to do it. It's an imperative. Jesus said, go into the world and preach the gospel, teaching them everything I've commanded you. You can do it. So the wisdom that saves, which man's wisdom can't know, is revealed to us by God. You say, how does that? Look at verse 10 in, in Corinthians there. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. How do we get godly wisdom? Not by man's abilities. We get it through, through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For no, who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. What you know and understand in the Bible is been freely given you by God, but it came from God. It did not come from your ability to know, know and understand. There are people who know the Bible inside and out. They can quote scripture, tell you this, that, and the other, yet they are lost as lost can be. And they have not, the, the, the Spirit has not illuminated their heart. The light has not yet come on for them. It's just head knowledge. You're not saved in your head alone. You're saved. You start here. It starts with understanding, and then it moves to here. My spirit is made alive by Christ. That's salvation. Until that happens, it's just a bunch of knowledge. So we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. That's why people reject your message. It's not you. It's not that you shared it poorly. Whatever you said that was true of Scripture is not bad. That's good. It's that to them, it's just folly. They don't get it because the Spirit hasn't made it alive to them, for them to understand it. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You've got to have the Spirit to understand it. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. Why? Because the Spirit is the one that gives me my discernment, not, not the world. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to, as, so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That's what Christians have, understanding that the Lord gives us. So these unbelieving Jews were stirred up and some of the Gentiles, and their, their goal was to poison, to literally poison what Paul is saying. So they're trying to take what he said and turn it and use it against him. And, and it gets pretty bad. And verse 5, when an attempt was made by both Jews and uh, Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, to the surrounding country, and they, were con and they continued to preach the gospel. So let's put the map up if we can so you can see they moved from up here in Antioch, Pisidia, the top of the map where the red and blue line is, and then they, start, they came down to Iconium. This is where what we just read took place, 
And then they were run out of town again, so they end up in, Ly in, in Lystra. And then they go down even further to, to Derby. And they're preaching the gospel. They just keep going. Now, let me share this with you. There's a reason why God allows persecution in your life. If you will speak the truth of the word of God and God, the gospel to people, you will be persecuted. Is that not the case for Paul? Every time he opened his mouth in the temple and he preached the word, there were some who loved it and received Christ and others who rejected and got angry and aggressive and came after Paul. That's just the way it is. That's, that's par for the course, okay? But there's a purpose behind it. God is actually behind the persecution. Why? Because this is called a first missionary journey that Paul is on. It's a journey. God never wanted Paul to settle in Antioch. He never wanted him to go to, from Antioch and settle in Iconium. He wanted Paul to keep moving because more people need the gospel. What happens to some of us as we start sharing and we have a bad experience, we stop sharing. No, let that persecution that happened to you because you shared, let it fuel you to go to the next person and share. Don't, be, don't see that as a turn off. That's a turn on. Why? Because that means if they got upset, they got ticked off, somehow the Holy Spirit is working in them. And don't take it personal. It's not you. They might say it's you. Ah, you stinking. They might, they might attack you. But really, they're angry at God. And if you don't believe that, just say that to them. I know it looks like you're mad at me, but I really know who you're mad at. You're really mad at God. That'll really get them going. You might want to have your track shoes on after you say that. But don't take it personal. They did it to Jesus. They did it to Paul. Listen, they should be doing it to you. Is it happening to you? And if it did happen to you, did you stop? Because you didn't want it to happen again? That was your flesh taking over and overpowering the, whole, the spirit inside of you and saying, I'm not doing that again. I, I will not... I will not allow to lose another friend. If your friend gets so angry as to belittle you and mock you and ridicule you for your faith in Christ, that's your friend? It's not a friend. I'm, I'm trying to put you between a rock and a hard place here. Those are not friends. And on the other side of it, if you don't share the gospel with your friend, is that really a friend? To go through your life and have fellowship and do things together and love that person. Oh, we're just best buddies. We're best friends. But you won't share the gospel. So you're willing to let your best friend go to hell without hearing the truth. It's not a friend. You see, Pastor Greg, you're really messing up my world today. No, I'm not. But God probably is trying to say something to you. We haven't even gotten to the meat of the message. We probably won't get there, but that's okay. For some reason, God's had us just focus on this. So when the attempt was made, verse 5, by 
by both Jew and G, and Jew, I'm sorry, Gentiles and Jews, with their rulers to mistreat them and stone them. They learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Laconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Now one thing more, uh, put the map up just for a second. Thank you, Michael. Notice this, okay? I don't have my little pen that I can point the laser at with, but if you look at Derby down here, they, they literally, let me make sure people can see I'm not blocking you, they're going to turn around and they're going to end this missionary journey by going back through these same cities that hated them, that people were after them. And they went all the way back down to Perga, to Perga down here on the coast in Pamphylia. And then they head back over to Antioch in Syria where they started. What does that tell you? That being a Christian takes incredible courage, takes great faith to be willing to put up with the things that a Christian must put up with. When it says that they were first called Christians in Antioch, it wasn't because people thought they were cool. It wasn't because they gave themselves the name Christian. It was because the people in Antioch were mocking them. When they would say, hey, there's another Christian, what they were saying, ah, look, another little Christ, a little Christ. This is the way of Christianity. Unfortunately, if you go to some places, some churches, some places to worship, you'll hear anything but this. Because this stuff's not popular. This stuff isn't going to feed you in your flesh and make you feel better about yourself. But see, we were not put on the earth for ourselves. We were put on earth to bring glory to God. That's why he saved you. That his name, not yours, his name might be great. So what name do you have to share? You don't share about yourself. You share about God. And let his name be exalted. Amen? Verse 8, now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. I think we're going to save that. That is a whole other message. And let me just tell you where we're going. And I'm, I was prepared to go today, but I don't think we should. Um. There are many types of worship that are false. And listen now, many Christians practice those false forms of worship. I'm not making up a list. This is not my idea. This is, these are not my opinions. The Bible's going to lead us in this understanding. The only thing I can tell you today is true worship comes as you follow obediently the word of God. You have to keep Worship is driven by what God has said worship is, period. Not what man says, not what man does. It's by God. And we're going to go there and we're going to see it in this story as we get there. One last thing about Lystra and Derby. This is very interesting. You might even have uh, somebody who would say to you uh, to, to try and, and deflect this whole story of Paul traveling to Lystra and Derby. 
And, uh, and, and it said that these are Roman provinces in Lyconia, Lystra and Derby. Roman provinces in Iconia. Um, it was only a Roman colony or province from 37 AD to 72 AD. During that period of time, it was a Roman province. The exact time that Paul is making that journey through that region. Some will say to you, that was never a Roman province. It was for that much of a window, which tells you what? The Bible is historically accurate, that it's ver the veracity of the word is phenomenal. You can trust the Bible. Even when people would think that they have you in a corner, they don't. The word always stands true. Science always plays catch up to the word of God. Amen? So here's the question. Today we hit the ball pretty hard on the faithfulness of God's people sharing Christ with others. And we even took time to share what the truth of the gospel is. It's bad news before it's good news. And I would say to everybody here today, every single one of you were born into sin. I was born into sin. Every single one of us have committed acts of sin. A single act of sin keeps you from God's presence. Forget about, you know, the worst serial killer that ever lived. You don't have to be like that person to end up in the exact same place. If you commit one act of sin, you will die and suffer eternal damnation. That's the reality. But God... He sends Jesus, a perfect human being. He never sinned while he became God incarnate in flesh. And he goes to the cross, the perfect sacrificial lamb. And he dies on the cross. And God pours out his anger and wrath upon Jesus, the sacrifice. What is God putting, what, why is God putting out anger and wrath? Because God sees Jesus bearing our sins and God hates sin and so he judged every single sinner on the cross and Jesus died for us that was the punishment of sin death and only the person who is drawn by the Holy Spirit of God to understand that truth that Jesus is God, he's the son of God, he is God, and he's the perfect substitute. Only the person who understands that can be saved. Just because you hear it doesn't mean you get it. The spirit of God has to awaken you to that. No man can come to the Father except the spirit of God draw him. My prayer right now in this room is that the Holy Spirit is drawing you to him and that you will hear this truth of the gospel your eyes will come open spiritual eyes and you'll be awakened 
by the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. He is the only hope for mankind. And then you will put your faith in Him. You'll trust Him. You'll receive Him by faith. And by the way, even the faith to put into Him came to you from God. Every bit of it's God. So if you say, well, I'm just not sure if I have a strong enough faith to be a, a Christian. No, it's, that's not the issue. The issue is will you surrender? God's given you enough faith to believe. Don't ever question the faith. God can, God can save anybody. Amen? And he's not going to withhold from you the faith if he's opened your eyes to see it. So the question is now, is there someone, are there people in this room whose eyes have just been opened? The light has come on and you see the gospel for what it is. And you want to believe. You want to receive. It's very simple. We're going to close our eyes. We're going to bow our heads. And in a moment of silence, you are going to cry out to God from your heart. And just let him know that you've come to understand the gospel. That Jesus is the Son of God. And you're going to receive him by faith as your personal Savior. Let's do that now. God, your word is clear to tell us that if a person repents, it actually says heaven rejoices. That the angelic host, all the beings in heaven, they rejoice over that single salvation. While things might be quiet in this room in this moment, there is an explosion, a party that has broken out in heaven over that one person. And we just thank you, God, for that. We thank you for your love that you would even reach us and save us. And then you would give to us the responsibility. You'd put it in our hands. You'd you ask us to be the stewards of the gospel and to share it with others. God, may we not be those types of people who, who receive salvation but then don't share salvation. May we share with others what we ourselves have received from you. That's all we're doing. It's not about our personal testimony. It's about being faithful to the word of God. We came by faith in believing the word, the gospel, and we share that same gospel now by faith with others, believing that they too can be saved. Father, again, let us be that kind of church. That when we come on Sunday, it's really just to get refueled and to celebrate what experiences we've had all week long. It's not about just coming to a traditional tr church service. It's not a legalistic thing. It's, it's much more than that. It's the body and fellowship celebrating what God has 
done and celebrating just like they are celebrating in heaven. In our baptism service coming up, Lord, we pray. We, our prayer is that every person who's baptized, that we as a church would be able to just picture in our minds what's happening in heaven, that we would rejoice and celebrate the profession of faith in Christ, even though it's already happened. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you've received the Lord today, if God's opened your eyes and you get it, please go to the table in the back and write down your name. We want to have your name. We'll, we'll include you for the baptism service. It might have happened in your heart privately right now, but the Bible says that you need to, you need to make it public. You should never be ashamed of the gospel. Amen? So we're going to celebrate with you on Baptism Day. So sign up in the back. We'd love to have you be part of that wonderful experience. God is good. Amen? All right, church. Well, turn and love somebody before you leave. It's important that we care and love for others.